Hey y'all, this is Deidre with Kitty Whispers Podcast and the intro to this episode is going to be a little different today because we had a little bit of technical difficulties and it just didn't come out as we had initially planned, but that's okay. We're learning. We'll get there. Lauren is not with me on this intro because yeah, this is just me at home trying to get this re-edited and back out to y'all. But um, so this is part one of our mental health episode. I just wanted to give y'all a little rundown of Leslie with Hey Therapist and who she is and what she specializes in. But she will probably be releasing episodes starting this month. Um, so definitely check that out and subscribe and like and listen. Leslie has been in the industry for about 10 years and she does utilize different therapeutic techniques, which include eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, and narrative therapy. I'm not the professional, so I can't sit here and say what all of those are. But, um, Google it cause that'll work. But anyways, so here in a bit, you're going to hear from us and Leslie and yes, it kind of starts like right in the middle of our conversations, but, um, it's still, it's still some quality content. And now that we have all of our things figured out, um, I hope you enjoy the episode. Like I said, it's not going to flow like our general episodes do. Um, but that's okay. So we, we will hopefully in the future re-record with Leslie and maybe cover some topics that are more specific rather than, you know, just as a whole, the importance of therapy. Um, so y'all can look forward to that. And as a reminder, be sure and check out Hey Therapist podcast. Um, her website is hey-therapist.com. And that's where you can find all the information about the podcast. Um, And then Hey Therapist podcast on all social media platforms. Um, So now is the start of part one of our mental health episode. I hope y'all enjoy. Part two is a little better just because the audio and editing flowed a little easier for us that time. But um, anyways, we know y'all love us. We know, y'all know that we're going to get the hang of this. And so, yeah, I hope y'all have a good weekend. And, yeah, see y'all next week. For me, it's like, I'm like, I was right, yes. And I'm like, oh, now we're mine. I'm like, oh, everybody is crazy. I told my therapist, I'm like, I am pretty convinced that every person out there is a sociopath. She's like, that's not a healthy approach. And I'm like, and I'm like no, I, I agree with her. And I'm like, but, uh, because I think that when you've gone through a relationship with a sociopath, yeah. that you and they are able, we were talking about it, what's on good behavior for the first three or four uh-huh. months, you don't get those typical normal, I mean, looking back at there were some, but there were like, there wasn't clear signs of like, the, these switches are going to flip, right? Sure. And until they they were active, like crazy was activated, and then right. it was like holy, like oh we're settled in. I can be crazy now. Yeah, and then that part is like now I'm like okay, so I'm I'm convinced that everybody has that, and she's like no, they don't. No, I'm like okay, so. well then I'm just really bad at relationships, so I'm just gonna be like my grandma. She's like no, that's not also gonna be any better. And so you know our great grandma always said at first you want to just eat them up, and later on you wish you had. So, you know, uh, but I think, and I think it's, we all have our crazy that we hide, right? We all have our things that we kind of beat. We tone it down a little bit in the beginning. I feel like it's pretty normal. I feel like now, but I guarantee you have a thing and it may be normal. Like it may not be out there, but it may just be your thing that to someone else would be like, Oh my God. And you're like, but I need this. Like, Mm -hmm. this is my thing and I need it. It may not make sense, but this is my thing and I need it. And if you can't do that for me. Doses. I'm not like, yeah, I mean, I feel like, and therapy has honestly been such a game changer for me that I feel like the way that I operate with so many different things mm-hmm. and with myself that now it's going to take, it's going to have to take like a very 
self-aware healed individual yes. to be for me to be able to feel like I can relate and even communicate and work through sure. with and so anything that I felt like I was attracted to previously not even the same right, right. so that's kind of the new thing is like I don't think I'm attracted to anyone, and it's, or I don't think You look I, at me like, oh my god, he's my type. Stay away. Yeah. No, I literally <laughs> just had that moment. I'm like, I'm like, oh, you're just a bunch of red flags, but I know better than now to look the other way, you know, so. Sign me up for the carnival. Don't anymore. I've, I rode that ride, and I have a t-shirt, and I don't want anymore. No. And I think it's, it's having that realistic expectation, yeah. too. You know, we all have our baggage, but it should be carry-on size, not train cars. Like, if you come at me with a carry-on, fine. I completely work with that. Like, I just got to know what I'm working with. Right. I want to know that you sort of through your your bag of tricks. (laughs) You've narrowed it down to this carry-on that's just a little bit harder to get rid of. If you're bringing the whole circus train with you. Nope. Yeah. I have a really close friend that we were talking the other day, and her uh, husband has a significant amount of trauma that he's never dealt with and so she was telling me about these behaviors that are happening and I'm I'm like okay but to me that just that comes from like here that like that's all and he needs to deal with it and it was like none of this it was like you're not on base and if you're not on base but you're now married to someone who has not dealt with their big old stuff uh-huh. they expect you to be like here's my bag of shit i want you to go through it and it's like no i want you to have already like compartmentalized i want you to have it labeled i want you to know what what shit you're bringing into this like mm-hmm. but they may not know yeah and the the my caveat to that is you can bring your shit like let's say you haven't dealt with it and you know you've got issues yeah you may not know where they came from but you know you've got them and this has been a pattern as long as you're actively working on them, oh, I will sure. help you work on them. For sure. I will give you tools. Yeah. I will help you. I will guide you to the right place. But I ain't going to fix it for you. Right. No. So you have to do the work. Yeah. I am not going to work harder than you at this. Right. So. Well, no. Just the, exactly. I agree. He was having her. He had the expectation that she should change her behavior to be accommodating to his. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was like, no, you're not off base here. That's not going to work. Um, for me, if you are actively improving and working upon yourself, for sure. I'm not perfect. I'm also pretty clear on what I know, what my, where I, sure, my areas are, you know. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's, yeah. Um, as far as yourself, so you're starting a mental health podcast. I am. I am. I've got Deidre helping me yeah. get some things set up. DLR Consulting is going to be helping me with some branding things mm-hmm. already have. Um, it's going to be called Hey Therapist. Um, so it's, I've got some socials. I don't have any podcast up yet. We're going to get working on that. I'm going to, I'm shooting for the first part of April uh, for mm-hmm. my first release. Um, but it's going to be like for me because I've been a therapist for a long time. Yeah, give us your background. So I started in prevention, like doing underage prevention stuff, and then I was laid off because of like the 2008 when everybody lost their funding. My grants got cut out anyway. Went back to school, became a therapist. Um, For anyone thinking about doing it, go be a social worker. You can get all the training and the techniques, but you're more marketable as a social worker than an LPC. Um, But I didn't know that, but here I am. (laughs) So I somehow ended up specializing in trauma and I think it's because I had dealt with been doing like disaster relief and dealing with like the more tornadoes and like working recovery for that and doing all those things I've kind of shifted into trauma focus so I do a lot of different trauma focused therapies um, and my main you know primary people for a long time were first responders military Mm -hmm. those affected by trauma and natural disasters and, you know, trauma is trauma is trauma. So it's, you know, you don't have to be affected by this big thing for it to create trauma in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, if something happened to you and it bothers you and it's still around, it's a trauma. Like, you should, you should take care of that. And so I really like trauma therapy, too, because with, like, EMDR and ART, like, you can see results quickly. Well, and I, I just, for our listeners, so, can you explain what... Those that, you know. uh, yeah, sorry. sorry, I think I did that a lot. Um, so EMDR is eye movement desensitization, and I have to say it that way because my brain has to, and reprocessing. Um, and what it works with is eye movements, or we use tappers, um, but it just stimulates, it's bilateral stimulation when you're working through a trauma. So when we are emotional, we are not rational. 
And so we have to make both parts of our brains work at the same time. That's why I tell people if you're fighting with someone and you are know you're fighting and you're like, I can't stop. Then it's time to quit. Quit talking. Step away. Right. Like you're too emotional. You're not rational. And so EMDR works and art, uh, ART, which is accelerated resolution uh, technique, training techniques, it does the same thing. It works with bilateral stimulation to make your thinking brain work with your feeling brain. So it gives that rational thought to that visceral reaction. So my therapist uh, had told me, and this is exactly what she had said, she's like, you know, when you go into fight or flight mode, mm-hmm. your brain, when that part of you is activated, mm-hmm. it is because your frontal lobe literally is not getting as much. You're, you go you literal flipped your lid. Yeah. Like, that's and what the brain looks like. It goes up. And she said that it's, and she's like, and it's your body taking care of you because mm-hmm. your ancestors, it's like you were being chased by a lion. So this right. is immediately, this is survival mode. I have right. to be, do this to survive. The problem is, is that once that is activated, like you mm-hmm. said, you're not sitting there. She's like, you have to retrain, you know, the working on being like, this is not a lion chasing me. Right. Um, but that I can speak for my own because I've been diagnosed with like CPTSD mm-hmm. and, like, and everything is being able to like remind yourself, take some breaths, like this is not, right. this is not as severe as this, even though it feels the same. Yep. This is not that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, other technique that you were talking about. You said a, a, ART. ART. Um, it's accelerated resolution technique um, or training. I always forget the last letter. Um, but it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's bilateral stimulation and it works to um, kind of change the imagery. So, you know, we get stuck with images and thoughts and feelings. They all stick together and they make this thought and then we have a reaction and we go, oh, and our brain goes, it's this. And so we're way back here, like you said earlier, in something else that has nothing to do with where you are in the present. And so it works to change kind of that imagery. Um, and EMDR does the same thing. And then there's narrative therapies and a, a lot of different trauma-focused specific therapies that kind of work a little quicker um, than other just talk therapy, especially. And, you know, I'll say this about therapists because I've been one a long, a long time for almost 10 years now. Uh, we're like shoes. There's thousands of us. Try them on. We're not all going to fit. And if you try a couple that don't fit, don't go, meh. It's not for me. Right. Yeah. Like, keep trying. Keep finding that therapist because talking this and getting an outside perspective is so important because, you know, if I, let's say you, you were both like my super close friends and something was going on in my life and I didn't want judgment about something, I may call Deidre. Mm-hmm. Or if I wanted to talk about something else, I would call you because I'm going to hear what I want to hear yeah. instead of going to that third party who's going to go, oh, what? Going, right. like, how are those decisions affecting you? Like, ah, this doesn't sound like a great idea. What do you think? You know, because our friends don't really do that for us. Sometimes they do, and it's great when you have that relationship with your friends and family. But a lot of times, they're just gonna be like, "Yeah, you do you, have fun." And you're like, yeah. "Ah, that's not what I need right now. Right. I need someone to challenge me on that." What would be some of the if you had to give pointers to people? Because you're mentioned like therapist or like shoes, mm-hmm. what are some good questions or checklists for people when they are trying to find the right therapist for themselves? So I think you should automatically connect. So it's because it's, therapy is a very personal thing. And I say this like when I have a new person come and sit in and I'm like, I'm a stranger, tell me all of your deepest, darkest secrets. Let's go. And they, you know, and it usually gets a laugh, but it's so, it's a weird process, right? You're going in and like, I'm going to tell you everything that I've never told people. And I don't know you. And so it's having that rapport. It's being able to talk to people. It's knowing that, you know, this person may be, and asking your therapist, what is your style? Yeah. Like, because I'm very direct with people. Like, there's plenty of my clients out there that I have said, stop doing stupid shit. This won't happen. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's true. And then I can say that to somebody else, and they're like, oh. Yeah, but I, I was and I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm not for you because yeah, that's not yeah. that I am not the person that's gonna come in and call oh, you yeah. and and just make everything okay because it's not everything's okay. Like, no. our, and my therapist didn't do that for me. Yeah. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Is it called, I'm making terrible decisions. Like, you know, so you just it's finding that connection, feeling that it's a safe space, feeling that you can be vulnerable, and it's not ruling out someone like. You know, because I've had one of the best therapists I know. She's kind of a hippie. And, like, she's got the tapestries and the, the, the stones and the gems and, like, all of the things. And, you know, she's just kind of wild. And she's always in, like, the 
the kind of hippie clothing and just bohemian. Bohemian, yes. <laughs> and you walk in, you're like, okay. Yeah. Like, but she's amazing once you talk to her. And so it's like not that face value, it's that person. Like, how do you connect? Do they make me feel comfortable? Do they make me feel safe? Are they listening to me? Right. And, you know, your therapist should not actually be telling you what to do. Yeah. Like, I, there's sometimes I tell people, you know, well, you may try this, um, but going, well, you need to do this and you need to do that and everything. Well, no, because that may not even be the issue, right? We may be talking about something, again, from way back here that just keeps happening. Right. And, and it's just a, beha- a learned behavior. And so, you know, I think it's just that comfort- comfortability and being vulnerable and going, yeah, this is someone I can go talk to and on a regular basis and feel comfortable. And I will say, like, I when I first started therapy, which was in 2020, I started through BetterHelp. Mm-hmm. And I was matched with a therapist. And her and I connected well. Mm-hmm. But her style of therapy, like, she didn't want, she it was like a phone conversation. Mm. She didn't want to turn her camera on. She didn't want to go. Oh, no. and, and that, for me, I need to see, like, a physical, like, I need to have yes, a physical connection with yes. you. So, I mean, I worked with her for about six months, but then it got to the point where I'm like, I feel like I'm not gaining anything from this right. anymore. So now I actually go see someone mm-hmm. in their office, mm-hmm. which I enjoy. Some people, it may work that you can have a phone conversation yeah. with someone. That's not how I don't see. I don't see. I don't see that being. Uh-uh. I mean, I can even do telecommunication with mine now. I think you do telecommunication. Yeah. So well, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. I started mine in twenty twenty, but we always did like FaceTime. Right. Uh, and because it was a COVID yeah, world, right. and yeah. and yeah. then um and then I ended up doing like group therapy and going and seeing her in person. Sure. Mm-hmm. But the first time I saw her, like, she had already known everything. I was like, Hi, you're real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so there, there is a because yeah. yeah. I had I did a lot of therapy through Zoom during COVID times and. Um, even the people I knew and I had been seeing in person, like once you're like video to video, cause I'm, I'm a very body language person. Like I'm reading all of you. And when I can only see from here up, it, it does change the dynamic a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel more comfortable. Like I would never, unless it was someone that I had been working with for a very long time who said, listen, I just need to talk real quick. I would have that phone call, but I would never, never do that. Like as yeah. a therapeutic really truly therapeutic intervention on a regular basis yeah. right like it's weird yeah i've had a couple i don't i don't see that and i thought better help with like video but i did have a couple of like times where yeah where she called me it is she just wouldn't turn and uh she would call me but it's more informational it was like you know there's something going on it was you know it, sure. was, it was not you know we've emailed a couple of times just because she knows that I've had a lot of things going on. It's like, hey, if you need just to kind of spew, if you need to give me, oh, let me have an update if it's too much, so I'm prepared for our sessions, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So we've, we've had those. But, yeah, I think the video, like you said, yeah. body language, everything is so important. Um, and I, she calls herself, like, or calls herself, like, and is it an active therapist where she would give me, like, homework and kind of things and kind of directional, whereas, mm-hmm. like, the therapist that I went to before that, um, I didn't like it because I would go in and I'd talk for an hour and she didn't ask any provoking questions mm-hmm. or thought like nothing. It was literally like I would go in and maybe I felt better because I just got a release. Right. But there was no guidance. Whereas mine, like I talked to her and told her about something that's happening and then she's like, okay, but when was the first time you ever remember feeling this way? Right. And then I'm like, but I'm like, oh, okay, here, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm like, um, because you think about it and uh-huh. then you're able to put that for yeah. all that connection. The Lord comes in and is like, mm. yeah, it's, uh, no, I mean, literally, you know, they say little kids cry when they uh-huh. see their mom after all day. I had not seen my therapist in a couple of months and we we're on a video and I was, I was like, hi. And before I was even upset, I was like, hi, I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> I needed this so much. Yeah. You know what's yeah. crazy though? I do know, like just speaking to my mom and she's not a therapy person. But she does not like bringing up those emotions because there's so uh-huh. many things she's buried. She's like, the last thing I want to do is go into an office and talk to someone and bring up these emotions that I've internally pushed down and didn't technically deal with. Cause she, but I think that turns a lot of people off because it does bring emotions to the surface that you thought you were done. Therapy is not an enjoyable not I, I mean, there would be days I'm like, I need a fucking nap now. Yes. Like, I am it's exhausted. It's raining. Uh, it's like a, a hangover. But it's like once you get through that, yeah. and you get on the other side of it, and then you can start 
working on positive things, that's when it's like, oh. Well, I always yeah. think of it like you're cleaning out a wound, right? Uh-huh. It doesn't feel good. No. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't <laughs> feel good. It's one, it's something that it's there and it's bothering, but it's just because you're suppressing it. Sure. that it's gone in the right, right way. Um, and while you're in the process of cleaning a burn, you know, with burns, uh-huh. you have to literally scrub off that. And it's painful, but then it heals. And right. then mm-hmm. it's not festering anymore. And really i mean it's it saved my life so oh, absolutely um i think that that's something that why we were so excited mm-hmm. to have you here is to you know kind of take away from that stigma that i think that a lot of people feel from their yes parents their grandparents everyone mm-hmm. family members and cultures and all yeah. things of like oh there's nothing wrong with me i don't need to talk to someone well, no sometimes it's just having a sounding board like you said absolutely. having a really good person to be like asking those questions of like is this the right choice for you right you know? Even if it's just work stuff, you know, people have really stressful careers and their personal life may be great, but they have, you know, high stress careers and they're just really challenging and they're always having to make decisions and just to go in and like vent that and have just somewhere to bitch about your coworkers because you can't do it and your spouse is sick of hearing it. I mean, they're going to listen and they're a good spouse, but if they don't get it and they're sick of hearing it, you know, just to have someone just to go and just unload on because that's what... Like, we, I always joke, like, I am the pack meal for everybody else's emotions. Like, give it to me. Just give it to me. I will take it. And then when it gets too heavy for me, I'll give it to my therapist. And then she'll pass it on to hers. And we'll just keep going. Our, our brains are really good about tucking things away that needs to be tucked mm-hmm. into. But I always relate it to our our junk drawers in the kitchen. Like, we have, everybody has a junk drawer. That you don't, I mean, you could not even tell me what's in your junk drawer. You know, there's probably some batteries and shit. And I like an ink pen. I bet you've got a drawer somewhere in your house then. Somewhere there is that drawer that shit just gets thrown into. Or a closet or a basket. Well, you may not because you're anal, but it's okay. Well, and she has some sort of intermingling like with other other people's shit. There is that. It's always you keep your shit organized and then you bring in other people's shit and you're like, But when you just shove it, you shove it in there and you're like, just throw it in there, I don't know what to do with it. Just throw it in there, I don't know what to do with it. If that drawer ever came out of its little rails and fell on the floor, you're not getting it all back in there. It's not going to go back in there, and that's how trauma and emotions and things work, is you can tuck it away nicely for a long time, Mm -hmm. but it's going to come out, and it's probably going to come out in a way you don't want it to, in addiction, in abuse, in withdrawal, in all of these things that we see from, you know, a lot of those who have been affected by trauma, because, you know, there's the... Uh, the joke I always give with my officers is is they have their chair, you know, especially law enforcement. They go home and they sit in the chair because they have to decompress. They mm-hmm. have to be away from it. So they have their chair, which just creates more isolation instead of maybe spending time with family or friends or whatever because they don't have the, the capacity to do that anymore. And so, you know, when you start noticing those behavior changes, when you start noticing, oh, this is affecting me, or, man, I heard that the other day and it, whoo, that really got me for some reason, but I'm fine. Go. It's time to talk to someone. Yeah, let's talk about like um, burnout and and kind of how people, you know, they hit those survival patterns and uh-huh. they spend so much time in a, in a place. I do that where sure. uh, I know their choice but to survive, cannot deal right. with any of this. And, and then sometimes you don't. Yeah, and then, but I feel like it doesn't ever go away. It's always like that creepy shadow of uh-huh. back and then it. It kind of unloads, right? And now you're like, oh my gosh, I was not aware that I had all of these things kind of right. tucked, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's so important. Now I'm, I try to unpack it a little bit. I've always compared myself to being like the Titanic, where if I go into survival mode, like remember there's A, B, and C, like water things that cut off. I do that. So I'm like, I can go that. Close that off. I can't do that. Close that off. Exactly. And so, and then, and then I stop. Baby, baby <laughs> steps. It's baby steps. Yeah. You deal with what you can in those moments. You know, and and it's just, it. You know, for me, like I was in a terribly abusive, emotionally abusive, um, financially abusive. Like it was terrible. Anyway, um, marriage, and I was doing what I do. I do like, but I mean, he didn't start out calling me a cunt at the dinner table, right? Like that's not how it starts. So you know, that's just not how it starts. If I wouldn't know. So you're there, you're in it, and you're surviving, and um, then there's that, there's a moment that everybody has in those relationships most of the time, unless it becomes really, really, really bad and someone else steps in, but usually there's a moment for the person that you kind of stop and you look around and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Right. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Mm-hmm. How did I get here? Yeah. 
And so, you know, that ended, and it was probably about two to two years, two and a half years, um, after we were divorced, living apart, doing all the things, which we didn't have much of a relationship anyway before we divorced, but um, we weren't even living in the same house, technically. It was weird, um, but whatever. And that's a whole different story. That's a whole different story. We, well, we had a house that was built kind of like a duplex, and he lived in one part, and I lived in the other. So, like what Dave and, and I and so, yeah, we want to live yeah. with a culinary yeah. so house and a yeah. house. Culinary. Beneficial and happy to come home, and you wouldn't have to come home and lock yourself in a bedroom. So, which is what I used to do. Um, so, it was two years or so after I started having full-on panic attacks when I could leave my house to go somewhere. I could go to work and come home, but if there was a change, I'm going to go meet someone, I'm going to go out, my body's like, nah, fuck you, you ain't there. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going, just in tears. I would be in tears. You didn't have panic attacks going home. No. Like, or, or even like finding yourself finding so many other things to do yeah. but go home. No, it was, no, this was after we were separated. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have anything when we were together. Like, I was just plugging along, just surviving and going and doing mm-hmm. and working and and it was a couple of years after, and I started having the panic attacks, and I knew what it was. I'm like, fuck. God! <laughs> At least she's away. I mean, call my therapist. And, but, yeah, it was, I could go to work, and I could come home, but if I was, like, going out, because almost everything happened when we were out, dinner, bars, whatever, it was, True. you know, always, you know. And, you know, I, I got to where I would be in tears going places. I made myself go because knowing what I know, if you don't go, mm-hmm. if you let it take over, you will let it take over. And then you're just kind of screwed because you're not leaving your house anymore. But, like, I would go just be in tears. And I would get to restaurants, and I would sit down and, like, just white-faced, you know, and my friends would be like, and I'm like, I'm good. Just get it rolling. You know, and once we would get it once we would get started and like hanging out and be comfortable, like it would go away. I would do my, you know, relaxation stuff and I thought you loved So it was awesome. Our family. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot. It's a lot of something. Um all of our cousins are fun. That's true. That's we would be only good. We have a good time. But you know, it was when I knew that I needed outside help and I had to get it or I wasn't going to be able to survive. And so it's, it is it is important to know when you hit that wall and know what I can do. Like, no, I can do this and I can't do that. Or this is where I need to be. Right. Like, and car- compartmentalize stuff. Like, okay, today I'm only going to do this mm-hmm. because I don't want to go through that part of it. Well, and I think that that's so important for people when they're considering, well, I don't really need therapy. It's like maybe you just need a little shift. Maybe yeah. you just need somebody, just a, a shift in perspective Maybe you have this behavior that's happening and you're not sure where it's coming from. You don't always have to dig in real deep. It's just right. a matter of like, just kind of. It's a perspective change. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can't change your circumstances, you change the way you think about them. Absolutely. So, and sometimes you get in such tunnel vision thought. This is the only way. I keep trying it. I keep trying this. It's not working. I keep trying this. It's not working. But you cannot think of any other ways to try it. Right. And so sometimes that therapist is just be like, well, have you thought about this? And they'll be like, I'm like, there's so many times that I'll, like, basic information or basic changes that might happen. They're like, I never even thought I could do that. Like, yeah. Yeah. That that might work. And you're just like, okay, let's try that. Come back and let me know. <laughs> I know. My therapist, I had told her, I didn't agree <laughs> off. She had told, I told her that I, uh, you know, I was in a pretty miserable situation working along with my mom for a while. Mm-hmm. And, but in my mind, that was the end all. We were sure. going to be partners. This is it. There was no other choice. Mm-hmm. And I remember my, the first time, it was a while ago, and she, my therapist goes, but does it have to be? Right. Like, is this, like, I hear you. I hear all these things. Does this have to, is this, is this truly like, so there's no other option here of you just kind of going off on your own? It's like, well, I mean, yeah, but I don't think I, and she's like, but why? And then it right. really kind of starts that thinking process of like, oh, you just had yeah. that fear of yeah. almost, well, the backlash you received. Right. Which, well, yeah. It's been fun. Uh, I've survived it. It's just been, you know, and maybe let's talk about that. So when you come from family dynamics, Mm -hmm. not everyone has the white picket fence and the healthy present parent. Most people don't. Um, And then some people have like, you know, we're talking about being parents and being a good one is hard. Being mediocre is more common. And you also have like the other extreme of that. Um, As a, as a professional, Mm -hmm. mental health professional, what is your outlook on, you know, because I think that so many times when someone becomes healthier and goes on this journey and they are like, 
you know, it's just healthier for me to not have any contact with sure. them. It's healthier for me. And then you get those people go, oh, well, but they're your family. Uh, it's, but it's your, it's your mom. It's your, you know, brother. It's whoever, what, you know, they're, they throw that back on you where if you have already struggled with boundaries sure. and loyalty and blood, right. uh, you know, how common are those situations and truly what is the, for you, when you're giving advice to someone who's been in really unhealthy dynamics with their family, mm -hmm. what do you say, what would you say to some of our listeners who have been in those situations as far as like going no contact or making yeah. that decision sure. to, with their family? So, mm -hmm. you know, one of the first things I always say is blood, blood does not make you family. Just because you are related to someone does not mean that they are going to be your family. Mm -hmm. We as grown people, especially, you know, I, I always hate working with the kiddos who are stuck, but I'm like, one day you'll be 18 and you get the fuck out of there. Um, but blood does not make you family. Like the family is who you choose and your family, like if we're going to go with that theory and they always say, well, my brother told me I need to talk to mom because she's mom. And she's like, is she though? Well, and then I get that. Like mom is, yes, she birthed me. She, what if they die and mom hasn't made cool. it? Then yeah. that's not on me because right. that's also another adult right. who is making a choice to treat me poorly mm -hmm. or to not respect my boundaries. Right. Because even if like the boundary is, is here, my boundary is here. And if that person's always over here, then I don't have to involve you in my life. You don't get to be a part of it because our lives are so precious and so short. You get to choose who gets to be a part of that. And if they are not added value, that's relationships, family, sibling, whatever. If they are not added value in your life, then you don't have to be in that. Mm -hmm. They don't get to be a part of your life because you are amazing. Whatever you're going through, you're amazing. And if you have people telling you otherwise or making you feel otherwise, they're not the ones that you need in your life. Yeah, well, and I always say they're not exempt. They're not exempt no. from boundaries just because they're your family or mm -hmm. they're someone that you've been friends with for a really long time. Right. Um, I had a really, really close friend, 20-year uh, friendship, and the last several years he was struggling with addiction and just became mm -hmm. really – and it wasn't even that his addiction was the um, – the, the line for me, sure. it was that he was, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And he was so just spewing and wanted to tear me down and make himself right. feel better. And, and there's so much of that that I finally had to, like, I can't have, love you, can't right. have you in my Absolutely. life anymore. Yeah. Um, and he passed away uh, a couple weeks ago. And it was really hard. But one of the, the best things that I've had mm -hmm. is that I've had people who are close to him and family be like, but Lauren, like, he was even proud of you for upholding that boundary. Like, at the end of the day, sure. he knew that it sucked that it was him. But, like, it's not a question of love. You love that person from a distance. But it was, it was just a matter of, like, this was the best choice for me moving forward. Right. And, you know, and it was difficult because it felt like a prelude of what it would be like when it becomes those bigger. Sure. I come here on, like, in video games, like, mm -hmm. you have, like, the big boss, yes. you know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And he was one of the higher bosses, yeah. but he wasn't the big boss, sure. right? And um, but yeah, I think that that's really important for people who struggle with that, and that's the way they come mm -hmm. to talk to you, right? right? But it's also not excusing that behavior because they're your mom. And Absolutely, and, and, and mom. because loss is loss. You know, I I actually have a client who dealt with this recently. Like, mom was terrible. Mom was a terrible mother. She was in her own mental health issues. She had drug addiction, and then at the end, when she got sick. You know, she came back and the, the daughters were taking care of her. And, you know, it's that it's drawing the line of this is my mom and I can love her for being my mom, but I also know who they are. Mm -hmm. And that's that's where you can make that division of I love you, but I know who you are. So I can't allow you access. Mm -hmm. And so I can appreciate that you were a mother and there probably were good times or a friend and there probably were good times. But you made a choice to not treat your mental health, to not go to drug addiction, to not stay sober, to do these things because you had this pe all these people around you who would support that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You made a choice, and I don't have to be a part of that choice. I can love you, and I can still love you, and I can remember all the great things, but you made a choice, and I can't work harder than you are. Yeah. And so you draw that. You have to have that boundary and separate that, and then... You know, guilt and shame is usually comes from displaced love. So it's, 
I, I have this love that I don't know where to go with it. So I'm going to feel bad about not giving it or not trying harder. But when you look back, you go, I did try though, but I can't work harder than they did. Right. And I have to protect me first. Yeah. Put your oxygen mask on first before you help others. Yeah. Okay, that's the rule. Well, and I've been dealing with issues with my family because none of them go to therapy. Right. I started therapy. I have now been able to recognize the unhealthy <laughs> comments and actions and behaviors that come at me from my family. So I've established boundaries. Sure. And then because I be, have become that person that recognizes the issues mm -hmm. and is setting the boundaries, I'm now the enemy. Sure. And so they're telling me, oh, you think you're so much better because you, you're going to therapy and you're doing all these things, but I, it's just, it's almost making it like I'm the problem when right. in reality I'm just pointing out they say this is unhealthy yeah. behavior sure. and I'm not going to put up with it. They say the black sheep is usually the, the one that decided to step yeah. away from the family. Yes. Uh, yeah. Usually. You know, yeah, not, not every time, but like the right. one that says, I'm actually not going to continue to participate in this. Or put up with it. Yeah. Or put up with it. Some Lauren commented, and I'm just going to, I love you, Mom, but, and she's not going to watch this anyway, but Lauren <laughs> complimented my mom the other day of, you know, Deidre is one of my very best friends. I love her. You've raised such a wonderful person. And she hugged me and goes, yeah, but she's my difficult one. Really Rather cool. than going yeah. like, thank you, thank I, you, like that, I'm very proud of hearing that, I'm so proud of her, she's my difficult one, and I'm like, what the fuck? It's because you have a voice. But and that's the thing, that I've never been the difficult one. Oh, no, God, no. Of no. all of my all of the siblings, no. no. I, like, I'm the easy one, it's just because I don't put up with the bullshit, yeah, how, how dare you, you how dare you have that, that boundary right. for yourself, right? For yeah. sure. If you do that, you're causing friction. You're, you're going against the grain. Exactly. And so, so I'm stirring the pot by saying, I'm not doing this. I'm not dealing with you. You're not going to talk to me like that. Like, yep. I or I don't have a corporate job or a family and I'm not married. Like I'm the difficult one. So it's just, I don't. Well, and if that's you know what I meant by first generation, yep. you're going against those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, when, I don't know if you listened to the episode where we were talking about the Galentine's party mm -hmm. and her mom and I was like, I was seriously protective, but I was not disrespectful, but it was just a matter of like, uh, actually, like you have to be supportive. My children could grow up and be completely different than anything I ever pictured for them. And I think that from when I look at my children, I see blank slates, right? Like I don't want to sure. envision anything on them that is not... I want, I want to give them that solid foundation, but then I want them to grow and be whoever they are meant right. to be. And I think that so many times parents, um, I know my mother, and I, you know, if you're not living to what their expectation is for your life and meeting those things, then you're, even if it's good, mm -hmm. that's the thing you have to write. Even if what you're doing is good and it's what's best for you, if it is outside of what they have envisioned for yourself, then, yeah, then yep. this, then this then it's not ever going to be good enough, right? Yeah. It's not ever going to meet it. And so they're going to have an issue. Mm -hmm. You also, on the flip side, have to get to a place where I think you are, you're okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I'm getting there. I think they've now realized the more they tell me, like, you need to do this, the more I push them away and set higher boundaries. Like, right. oh, okay, then we won't talk You're going to build the wall. <laughs> <You're gonna laughs> build the wall is halfway built. And I'm making those separations and... Like, I'm choosing not to pass on the generational trauma. Well, luckily I have lots of wonderful family members that are on my side that I can call and be like, guess what the luck mom did today? Or <laughs> dad. Or because they get it. They know them and they see it. In there. Yeah. Well, and I think just being really solid in when you know, I, I've said this plenty of times, but when you know that you're operating and doing things mm -hmm. that are best for you... Mm -hmm. And you know that they're going to be disappointed no matter what because it goes against it. Then you right. may as well just be living for yourself. That's right. Like, you, know, you, know. you know, and and you feel yeah. the same way. You still, I love my parents. Like they were my constant guidance. I mean, I still like I figured yeah. a lot a lot out on my own. Sure. But I want. I don't know why I want to please them because they're your parents. I know, and I hate that it's like engraved in our minds that we have to please our parents. Yes. Like, who the fuck cares? Like, as long as I'm healthy and taking care of my shit. 
that's why I think my relationship with my dad is so great. I mean, and he's not even my biological father. He was married to my mom for 17 years when they divorced. And yeah, and he he is he is dad. He and said when they divorced, he was like, uh, I will be dad as mm-hmm. long as you allow me to. I would have not gone through the last six months. He never has told me you need to do this or you shouldn't do that or I hope it doesn't work out with your mom. Like never nothing other than Lauren, whatever you got to trust your that on. You have to. What does your therapist say? Do you feel? How do you feel this way? And. And that's me, that's, he knows, he's like, I know who you are, I know what you do, and you know what, yeah. like, you are handling your shit, taking care of your business, mm-hmm. grandbabies are taking care of, he appreciates so balls that. to wall, yeah, however, yeah, 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 she yeah. beats her own drum, All and in. he loves the drum you're beating, like, yeah. it's just, he's like, that's Lauren, like, yes, he's wonderful, uh, and it is, and you know, I feel, I feel like, for me, and my situation with my mom, you know, my mom has died to me. Like, I feel like I, and it's really, it's, it says a lot, I think, that whenever you go from that feeling of, like, enmeshment, like, she was yes. so very enmeshed uh-huh. that when I first started putting up those boundaries, then there was that level of, like, resistance. Sure. And then it became more of, like, trying to be dominated. Uh-huh. Well, I'm not one to be dominated. Most of the bedroom. <laughs> I mean, listen. I'm kidding. Uh, One of the yeah. things you not kidding. Like what you like, own it. I mean, I don't even know if I like it. It's been 130 days. But, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's strong. Yeah. Well, you know. And, uh, it's fine. I don't even get joy from masturbation anymore right now. It's like, that part of me is just kind of dormant. But it's fine. Um, but anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> the, the fact is, is that like it just became so much where it, you, when you push so far against a corner, it's constantly right. there that eventually it's like, I've had enough. I've had enough. And then they go, you know, into full attack mode over you because you're going so far against the grain. Sure. And, uh, you know, I think for me, it's been, it's when you, I love when you were talking about, you know, life is, uh, you've got to keep a perimeter. Mm-hmm. For me, I like to think of it as a garden, and so one day they're watering your plants, and they're helping you plant your pretty flowers, and they're helping you trim up everything, but then the next day they're coming in, they're stomping all over your flowers and ripping them out. Do you let that person continuously, first time to step on it, oh, didn't mean to, but if they continuously are pulling and ruining and wrecking your garden, they're not allowed back in your garden, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that was, it has been probably my most challenging life lesson so mm-hmm. far um but i feel like as i'm learning it and getting better about it i'm also like i can fucking take on the world is really kind of that feeling of mm-hmm. you know um when you've been broken down to mush mm-hmm. and there's so much like i've shared the little windows but there's been so many different little areas over the past couple years that to me, the most beautiful side effect of that is I get to see exactly what I'm made of. I've gotten to see what those core minerals yeah. are that I, of who I am. And now I'm going to put myself back together in a way that I wanted to be without some of those traumas or those mm-hmm. negative impacts being there, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that I feel like therapy has helped me with. I feel like that's something that hopefully you guys have gotten on that line of wondering mm-hmm. that that's why there are people like this who will... Like you said, what you call yourself, pack mule? <laughs> right. I am an emotional pack mule. Yeah. Just you just give it to me. You know, it is. It, and it's it's hard. My mom, to me, uh, we are at a place where she's just become so far from being healthy and that she is truly not safe for me or my children. Right. And it sucks because it does yeah. impact my children. But at the very same time, having her there and involved and being more manipulative and controlling mm-hmm. and poisoning the well it's no longer it it's worth that fight right it's worth building that wall and yes it does suck and some degrees but i think it also says a lot that if you go in the past six months not having her and be able to hit more of your goals and be able to become a better healthier person and a happier person and not feeling so stifled and everything else i think it says a lot of what that relationship is doing to you absolutely yeah yeah I mean, there's a lot of that, you know, that, that coercion of control, that emotional abuse, all of those things. It can come from anywhere. Yeah. And you're right. You have to protect you. And, 
you know, yeah, you step out of it and you're like, well, you know, because a lot of people are like, well, I'll let them have a relationship with their grandkids. They're the same person with their grandkids. They're yeah. the same person with other family members. Other family members are just going, ah, eh, we ain't doing this shit anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm out. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. grieve the loss of the parent you wish you had. Right. Like, that's what you do is you grieve the loss of the parent you wish you had. You recognize the parent you had. And most of the time, it's stepping back and going, God, they really were mentally ill. Like, yeah. they really have some mental illness. Like, who knows what it is? But they struggle. And uh, they don't make their personality disorder. Well, there you go. Most likely. Borderline. You're thinking, it's normal. Yeah. Like, isn't everybody like that? Well, and my therapist compared it to, to me because I, she, she, for a long time, was trying to get me to see the writing on the wall when it came to my mother. And I was very fiercely defensive. And, like, oh, well, it was always these outside influences. always that. Sure. Oh, no, it was because of this. It was not ever. And being on the receiving end for the last several months of things that I cannot legally talk about, um, the the fact is, is that she, uh, I've, I realized how long for how many years it was like removing the filters and going oh my gosh I'm (laughs) and we're back okay but no I mean my my therapist compared it to something um she says like if you grow up in one country and they speak one language and this is how what their traditions what their practices are every single day you grow up for and then you as a young adult decide you're going to go move to the other side of the world and at first everything and the language they're speaking and their practices and traditions feel very foreign to you but then you start realizing hey this is actually better or this feels more aligned with who I am that's really kind of what I think you know for me as a mom my goal is just to like not make my children feel like they're moving maybe they could move a couple streets over but like we're not moving don't feel like you got to move to the other side of the world to be able to find that normalcy, sure. you know, and, uh, but that was something my therapist was trying for a very long time to kind of get me to a place where I saw and I understood what was happening. She would talk about my real dad, or I would talk about my real dad, and she'd be like, mm, what about your mom? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I'm all and she'd be like, oh, And then one day when I bawled shit at the fan, I was like, holy shit. You were right. You were right. But people don't see it. There's people who she she knows her she knows it really well behind yeah. the fucking Bible. Well, they always do. I mean, again, those abusive people, uh, they aren't going to be abusive to everybody. I mean, like, I mean, even if you think about like true psychopaths and serial killers. They're usually very pleasant people, yeah. right? Like, I mean, they are nice and genuine yeah. and helpful, and then they're, like, eating you in their kitchen, like, yeah. not in any way. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's terrible. So, it is. But I think that for for me, it's just being on that side of it of realizing that, you know what, it was a really good how not to. And it was a really good, she's tried very, very hardly. Like I, I kind of jokingly said, but it very seriously that I had to get a trespass mm-hmm. warning because she was just doing very weird things and, right. and trying so many different ways, messaging my daughter from a name, pretend name, talking about getting custody of them. Pretending to be and someone else through Snapchat. That's crazy. And, and crazy. the thing is, is that my daughters, I refuse. I refuse to let any person, and I don't give a fuck who you are, allow, like manipulate my children to go against me, who is their sole provider, mm-hmm. their mother, their influence, their, I'll pay for their therapy later on, but do not, <laughs> do not try to turn and, and hurt, because that's, if they were, when I was able to look back at all the times that I was manipulated as a child, sure. and I did things to please her, and choices that I made that were huge life choices mm-hmm. that I had no business making, but I did it to fit her box. Mm-hmm. The last thing I'm going to allow is for that mindset to put that over my babies, right? Mm-hmm. Ever. Okay. So now, but it sucks, right? It sucks because yes. forever you're the sweet grandma and you're this nice person, yeah. but yet you're really kind of not, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think that anyone who's struggling with that, you've heard it here from a mental health uh, professional that you're okay to say, I'm not going to allow you in my garden. Like, right. you know, yeah. you don't even do that. I agree. So fuck off. Just All of you. You know, and I think you're, that's a good point too, like to, that made me think of something else. You know, when you're dealing with someone who is, you know, abusive, narcissistic, all of those, or like whatever we're dealing with, when you start setting those boundaries, they start pushing harder. Oh yeah, because now it's the little the little kid that's not getting their way. 
So I'm going to push harder and I'm going to push harder. And I'm going to see because usually you break. Yeah. So exactly. I'm just going to push harder until you break. Yeah. And then we'll come back and it'll be fine and I'll keep being toxic and doing my behaviors and you won't push me away. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's so important when you are ready to take that step is to stay strong in your goal. And the goal is for me to be healthy. The goal is for my children to be healthy and to have their autonomy and be able to grow up and be whoever they want to be without expectations. And to do that, though, I have to separate myself yeah. and I have to protect them. And even if you don't have kids, it's, I have to separate myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hold hold that line because eventually they'll wear themselves out or they'll find a new target, right? Like it'll, it'll pass to somebody else. So eventually that will stop, but it will get way worse and it's the same thing I tell people leaving abusive relationships whether it's a man or a woman that they're leaving that's abusive because it can be both um you know is stay strong in that because they will pull all the stops because they know you they know how to manipulate you because they've been doing it for a long time right they know the tricks they know your soft spots they know your weak spots they're gonna start poking at them well and it's erosion and uh-huh. I, well, I think that's one of the biggest coming from i was in a very abusive relationship a couple years ago and i think that everyone's like but how why you're always so strong you're always so independent it's erosion of time it's erosion of self-worth right. all the time so it's not like they just one day become satan exactly. it's, it's like a little bit of wearing you down until now all of a sudden you find yourself here right and i think that that is the thing that people don't understand because you you don't you're not aware you're falling into the pit right being led into there's a lot of excuses you can make for someone's behavior right until you get to the point where you're like okay there's no excuse for this behavior (laughs) like wait a minute what the fuck is happening i was not i didn't say anything like i swear i didn't say a word and then here we are and so you're right though it is that you again they don't start out calling you kind of high hawk you know you're you're in a great relationship you're there with them they're they're pleasant you may have your disruptions but it's work it's finances it's this it's that and you just keep plugging along and then you wake up and you're like i'm in the pit how do I get the pit? Right. Do you want to tell them um, all your handles? What do I? Um, do I know all my handles yet? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, hey-therapist.com is the website. Do you want to tell them why we had to go with that domain? So <laughs> I, own, I own both, and they both redirect you to the right one. But um, if you just type in hey therapist, um, it flags a lot of things because it breaks down to hey the rapist. Um, so, so that's we went with Hey Dash Therapist. Um, the socials are Hey Therapist Socials mm-hmm. on Instagram and Facebook. I don't think we have a link. Well, we yeah, we'll definitely share. Like, if you have a link, we'll share her stuff. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have all some links. And yeah, we're going to see how it goes. Well, we so appreciate you coming and spending so an hour with us. She spent more than an hour. Well, I met with them. Hours. With them. With them. Listen, it was a lot of work. Not the prep. It, it was, was hard. hard. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Y'all are welcome. Yeah, we may be some boss bitches, but electronics are not our jam. Apparently, so. <laughs> we just had to buy the right software and then buy different software and then re download some things. But we got it worked but out. Y'all are in our studio Hi. space. I got the sweat. Not now. So we gotta wrap it up. <laughs> On that note, there you go. Do you want to give them a positive takeaway for the last one liner? Yeah, you want the last one? What's a good go see a damn therapist. Go see a therapist. That's a good positive. Make the choices. That's my. And everything in life is a choice. Everything is a choice. You make choices all the time for everything that you do. Make good choices. Bye. Thank you for sharing. Bye. I love you. Love you.